when you live with someone, it's either going to bond you mm -hmm. or it's going to break you. With eight women? (laughs) That sounds like my actual nightmare. It was so much fun. I loved it because at that point I had gone from – right women can be amazing. Yeah. But the wrong women can be a literal hell. Yeah. So at that time I had gone from living with my parents Mm -hmm. to one semester of living by myself in a dorm and then to living with my boyfriend. And that's a lot of changes in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved the opportunity to live with friends. I felt like that hadn't been a – wasn't a step that I had hit, and it was a goal of mine. I was like, I want to be able to live with friends. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, so feel me when I bring it. Sing it loud. Oh, I'm from the loop, and I'm proud. Run a mile for the cause. I'm right – Hey guys, it's your girl Nahama, your favorite Jew from the Lou. Welcome back to my podcast. And I'm really excited because this is episode 11 and I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't go live till I got to episode 10 and the fact that we're here at episode 11 just proves that I did the thing and we're still here. And I'm so excited about my guest today. Today, we have my good friend Paige. And we can literally talk about everything and anything, but I'm so excited about the topics that we chose for today. A little background to kind of flow into the conversation. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this previously on other episodes, but my grandparents were were psychologists and social workers. So I grew up on psychobabble. My conversations when I was a child were very like introspective and deep, which I don't know if did me a or a service or a disservice in terms of understanding life. Maybe I was a little too much of a deep thinker as a child because of that. But I've always been really interested in the human brain and psychology. And when we were having a conversation once, we've talked about your job previously that you had, which is that you were a social worker. Mm-hmm. And I would love if you can share a little bit about your background, why you went into it, yeah. and specifically – you were a social worker in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I um, was getting my degree in social work and I did a couple of internships. Um, and I always knew, always had a huge fascination with, like you said, like the human brain, how it works, why we do the things that we do. Um, and then like what makes us just tick. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started off in psychology and that was just a lot of science was not great for me. Is it really a lot of science? Yeah, sure is. Oh, that's so interesting. I would not have thought yeah. that. This was it was when the grades started tanking was when I had to start doing all the numbers and the, yep. the medical pieces of it. And I was like, yeah. okay. Um, and then so one of my counselors um, shifted me towards social work. And so I landed in that little line of work. Um, and yeah, my two um, favorite internships were in addictions. And then um, I worked on an inpatient unit. And I... Um, did half my time in the prison and the jail. So this was still while you were in school? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then about half a year to a year outside of college. Okay. So yeah. altogether it was like about a year and a half? Um, about there. like three years of like internship work oh, wow. between the addictions clinic and patient unit working in the jails. And then when you were out of school completely, did you ever go into it fully? Like that's what you were doing or that was just while you were interning? No. So that was just while I was interning. Okay. Yeah. Then I hit one of those walls that I think a lot of people tend to, um, where I was like, I don't really know if this is for me. Um, it's very heavy work. Oh, I bet. You know, and so um, I call, I have what I call my little mentee bee, 
Um, and I went to work at Disney World. <laughs> Did you really? Total, yeah, total shift in plan. You really needed but, to be on the happiest place on earth yeah. after being through yeah, those experiences. I dipped. So let's go back a little bit. Yeah. So working in prison, first of all, I need to ask the dumb questions because if someone ha- someone has the- if I have them, someone has them for yeah. sure. So I actually thought that jail and prison were synonyms. Sure not. Yeah, I learned that sure recently. Not. So if you could just explain to everyone like what the differences are. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not like a technical person. Like I will never use the right word for things. Okay. Um. But essentially, like your jail is like where you're at before you get sentenced. Okay, so it's more of a temporary. Yes. Yeah, so you can go to jail, and then you can go to court, and they can be like, you're good. You're out. Prison is where you get sent, and you're there. For years. Yeah. Like, you have been sent to prison. Um, Got it. So, yeah, I went to – I was in the jail primarily, um, but then uh, this is in Terre Haute, Indiana, and they have a couple of penitentiaries. Um, My dad worked in a, a mental health facility down here in Chester, so I always had a huge fascination with, like, jails, prisons. I'm sure it thrilled my parents. One bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, my only- I was like, I can't wait to go to prison when I'm older and work there. And my dad's like, you should not say that. <laughs> oh, but you did it, though. That's yeah. kind of crazy. That's like one of those things as a kid where it's like you put it out into the universe and you made it come true, even yeah. if it was like a temporary yeah. thing. Yeah. So what I did there was um, with the addictions clinic that I was working at. Um, we actually had to go on site and my instructor um, led the like addiction group classes Okay. in the prison and then the jail facilities. So um, it's definitely more lax in the jails versus the prisons. Um, but one thing that I thought was like super fascinating that wasn't expecting from myself is I felt more at ease around the men than the women. That is shocking to mm-hmm. me, too. Yeah, everybody's always surprised at that. But, so why is that, do you think? Um, it was the way that they treated me, surprisingly. Okay. So with the men, we had to actually do it in their cell block. Um, and I was informed beforehand. They were like, whenever you go in, with the men, we have to go into their cell block. Individually or as a group? Um, so it was like myself and my instructor, Okay. Um, but was it like in. a group of and men? And it was like a group of the inmates. Okay. Yeah. So was it kind of like AA, but – Yes. It's NA, right? Like Narcotics yes. Anonymous, like mm-hmm. that's what it is kind yeah. of? But it's not anonymous because they all know why they They all there. know. Okay. <laughs> I have, you were there for a reason. I had heard briefly on a different podcast and that was the first time I had ever heard of NA. Never heard of it before in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I heard like the main difference really between the two like is that AA is usually people – who are going and choosing it for themselves versus like NA is usually like imposed on you. Like you- um, that's not necessarily true. I mean, AA is alcoholics and alcohol anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, NA is for narcotics. Um, I'd say AA is more widely known about. And so people do tend to more so voluntarily go to those. Um, but you can be court appointed to go to either. Okay. So um, every person that I worked with was court appointed. I did not, you know, um, I didn't work in any kind of setting where people voluntarily were there. So that had its own challenges in and of itself. But for the most part, everybody so, that came to our classes or our groups were court appointed. So set the scene. 
if you could remember the mm-hmm. first time that you walked in, was it a women's group or a men's group that you did the first time? Um, so we did one of each the okay. very first day that we went. And they told me, you know, you're going to go into the cell block. There's going to be guards, yada, yada, yada. We walked through. Did they prep you beforehand? Were they like, yeah. what, like what was the preparation that they told you to do beforehand? I'm so I'm curious. Like, sure. Were you supposed so to? This was just my, and my instructor was like this burly old man. So he was like, this just this big dude. So he was like, just. He was like, make eye contact. And he was like, and don't seem nervous. He mm. was like, because if you seem nervous, they're going to point it out. And so that's what, what I thought was fascinating was the men more so, you know, we went in. The guards at the, at the facilities didn't tell us jack squat. They, you just, you were in their zone. You did what they told you to do. Um, and so we went in and we sat down, you know, like the gate opened and we went into the cell block. And there were a bunch of, like, metal tables. I think there were three metal tables and then, like, the actual, like, cells. <laughs> and so um, they were all already out there and were sitting at the tables. And then I just, like, sat down next to my instructor. I was, like, scurrying. I would be so scared. <laughs> I was just, like, scurrying along behind him. And I was just, like, hello. Um, but they were all super chill. My instructor was, like, this is Paige. She's going to be hanging out with me for the next couple of classes that we're doing. And then he pretty much was like, don't give her a hard time. And he had like a really good rapport with them. So I think there was already like a level of trust between him and the inmates. And I heavily relied on that to set like my own comfort level. So that part was pretty chill. Yeah. And then it was whenever he told me that we had to have the women's group in a secondary location that I was like, why is that? Didn't really get answers to that, but – um. We had to actually go with the guards to get the women. And then they like single filed. We had to get on an elevator and go up to this like second floor room. And it was in the elevator that I was like, don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Because I did. I did not. I did the thing. I did not make eye contact. I looked Mm -hmm. down and there was one girl who caught on to that and she was sniffing my hair and she started making comments and a couple of the other ones started making comments and everybody was talking about me in the confined little space of the elevator. And I immediately was like, well, like this. Yeah. But, you're like, I'm, I'm going to die. Yep. <laughs> yep. But they were all chill. Like once we were up in the classroom, like it was totally fine. fine. Yeah. But they did. They found that like one little, one little could point. sense that insecurity and For they just sure. like sniffed it out and they probably were messing with you. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I could tell that they were like just joking and having a good time. With, might like, have just an, been bored. A new person that yeah. was in the room. Yeah, but that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, are you able to like discuss like what kind of conversations you had when you were there, or what was what was the atmosphere like once you started talking with both groups? Yeah. Um. So these were like weekly classes. Sorry, there were uh, weekly classes. So, like I said, my instructor knew them all fairly well. And so at the beginning of each meeting, it was kind of just like a, this is what we talked about last week. How's everybody's week been? We did go around and like check on each person, you know, how has your week been? Have you had any struggles? And then it was kind of just like a free for all in that kind of a setting. Um, When we had them at like our facility, it was more structured. We would have worksheets that we'd do with people. Um of different topics for different weeks. People would know kind of like what to expect week to week. Yeah. So. Is there like a 12-step program or any kind of program or how does it work? Like I just don't know anything about it. There is, yes, but that's not the kind of facility that I was in. So we didn't go like 
by the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. So since we were like a state facilitated program. Yeah. Hmm. So that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And so you did that for like about three years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a long time to stay in a program like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I started off in the addiction. So that was actually like my first internship was the addictions clinic and the time in the jail um, and the prison. And then my longer term was spent on the inpatient unit. And so that is like a facility that that's where you're like first admitted. If you've attempted suicide and were taken to the hospital, Mm. you know, and they have to put you on like a hold. Yeah. They try to place you in an inpatient facility. So um, mine was connected to the local hospital. So we were like, you have like the emergency room in the main hospital and there's like one of those little walkways. And then I was in like the office building, but then the like eighth floor of that building was a mental health inpatient unit. Okay. Yeah. And we had 13 beds, um, which is not enough. (laughs) Not enough at all. Really? Um, Yeah. And there were only two facilities in the area that I knew of. And I think the other one had probably like around the same. So there is that many people who were just like attempting to take their life and there just wasn't enough space to host them in the hospitals. So what would happen? Um, So that's actually what I was part of. I was part of the discharge team. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would work on ensuring that they had like a good family support system or some sort of support system um, by the time that they were released. You know, we tried to make sure that if they needed financial help, um, these were someone to like inmates, though, right? Um, no, so these are just like this individuals. Was just regular, okay. Yeah. So this yeah, was these different. are just regular people going through a rough patch. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like I said, like if somebody, I don't know, using just like a specific example, like the other day, I had to call because there was an individual outside on the street, and I was like, I can tell he's like, you know, not having a good time. Somebody needs to come help him. And an ambulance came and picked him up. Not guaranteed, but they most likely took him to the nearest hospital and are trying to get him into a facility. Right. Like you could tell he was having some mental health issues. That's so So, crazy. Yeah. And the idea of inpatient units is that they are just short term. So those aren't like long term. Um, So like I said, we, we, we would either try to ensure that they had like a family support system that they could go back to. Or if they didn't and they needed longer-term care, we would try to find that for them. Um, You know, you have, like, the state facility, which is where people typically go if they're going to be there long-term, don't have a support system outside, don't have somewhere to go. They're there for permanent situations. I'm just so curious because obviously, like, I think it's normal to be curious about all these types of addictions or why people do what they do. There was a book. Oh my gosh. I wish I could remember the name of it right now. But basically the concept of the book that I was reading, oh, I think it's called The Lucifer Effect. And it's talking about that people aren't inherently bad. Like babies are not born into this world as bad individuals. Mm -hmm. Or are they? And so that was the whole question of the book, the psychology of why do people go bad? Why do people commit crimes, yeah. especially serious crimes like murder or, or whatnot, right? And so I think for me, like if I'm interested in a topic like that, it might be a quick Google search. It might be like reading a book, yeah. maybe watching a documentary or listening to like a podcast. Yeah. But what made you like decide that to invest yourself for so long in that subject? 
I think it was just like the curiosity, I think is what like pushed me through. Like, Mm -hmm. and it is just so eye opening to see someone like at their lowest point. And then it's also very rewarding to try to help them and see them past that. So, you know, I'm, you're going to have patients that you're, you're not going to succeed right away or you see frequently, you know, we, you've got frequent flyers in situations like prisons and inpatient units, unfortunately. Um, but it's just, it was very rewarding to know that I was making such a huge difference in people's lives, whether it was just being there and being someone that they can talk to, um, or just being a support and then seeing someone, you know, using the inpatient unit as a specific example, like seeing someone check in there yeah, or be admitted and just watching them go from the state that they were in at the time of admittance to by the time that they were released, just seeing the transformation come back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing that spark where you're just something that carried me through. Yeah. That's really cool Mm -hmm. to see like the beauty in another soul, even when maybe no one else could. Exactly. You're like, maybe everyone in the world gave up on you, but I still believe it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, lots of connections were made. And I just think it's a really meaningful position to be in. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's also like super heavy. No, it so. is. It's a lot because you're constantly being surrounded on it. So it's hard yeah. to like have that perspective of all is well, people are good, you know. Yeah. When you're seeing so much misery and then like you – especially when you know the behind the scenes of what caused someone to go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of like the intake interviews. So that had to be done within 24 hours of them being admitted. So typically when they'd get admitted, they would do like an intake with like the nurses and like, you know, all of the physical health would Mm -hmm. be taken care of. Um, And then usually by the time that I would come in at like 8 in the morning – They'd wake up, have their breakfast, and I would do my intake interviews. And so that was my job was to sit there and listen to them. And so I'd have, you know, like my standard list of questions that just ask them, you know, what is your name? How old are you? Do you know how you got here? Are you, you know, aware of where you're at? Um, And yeah, like it's something that you don't think about, but to hear the responses and those things was heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, some people, you know, would just honestly say, I have no idea where I am, you know, and you could tell when a person was just lost Yeah. and needed help. I just, I always wondered, and this is just my ignorance on the, you know, knowing about like addiction is that obviously everyone has different stories, how they got there. Mm-hmm. Um. And I I know there are stories of people who have come back from that and, you know, become sober and, like, changed their lives around. What would you say is, like, a defining quality that separates the people who are going to relapse versus the ones who change their lives? Is there something or – I don't think you can pinpoint it to something. No. I think everybody's got something different, whether it's their hope that they hold on to, their family, their sanity, their whatever they've got. But that was part of – my process was helping them find that thing. Right. So. And I mean, obviously the addictions you're dealing with are the most extreme addictions out there. I do think that everyone has some form of addiction in their life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, first of all, social media alone, it's just, it's addicting. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually so curious because like, thank God I don't have any like 
real addiction issues, but I have been like addicted to my phone or I don't know, maybe just thoughts where you just can't get out of and you're like spiraling, right? So what would your advice be to help people who maybe are can't control their Ooh. urges? Like Ooh. what for the common people, right? So Ooh, I don't know. What would be a good takeaway to help people? I don't know. Just I mean, I guess to to find that thing and that it's okay to it's okay to need help to find that thing. Honestly, I think that's that's gonna be my answer is that you don't have to do it alone. So having someone to hold you accountable, maybe like just Well, no, I just think a lot of times when you're when you're at that point or you just you tend to internalize it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of people that go into, you know, I got myself here. I need to get myself out. And I just think that's completely incorrect. Like, use your people. Right. Use your resources. You know, see a therapist. Um, <laughs> I tell everybody that. I'm like, you know, there's – I just talked to somebody recently who said something about it being Mental Health Awareness Month. Was that like a month or two ago? And they were like, what does that actually mean? And I was like, it's getting out, getting the word out that mental health is a thing. Yeah. And it's okay to need help. Like it's okay to need those resources. It's okay to not do it alone. Do you think that the reason why people end up – I mean obviously we said there's many reasons why. But do you think a lot of people end up falling into addiction because maybe they weren't communicating with those around them. I think that's definitely a part of it. Yeah. 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 Obviously when, some people when everything feels so heavy that you just feel like you're in it yourself and that you don't want to be a burden to your family members or your friends. You know, so I think it does tend to be a very isolating problem. So I'm actually curious because I've had an experience recently where like um, I've been around people before where I've had conversations with them and I could tell that they feel very alone and they're dealing with something that's very, very hard. And like I try to be sometimes a clown to help people. Like I'll be mm-hmm. the goofball, I'll try to make them laugh. I'll try to just be, yeah. you know, cutesy to try to distract them, right? Or I'll try to be mismotivational or I'll try to listen. But sometimes I just see like they're in this really dark place and I can't help them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like having people around you and having like your family isn't enough because like maybe they're trying to do that for you, but you're just in that place where you feel so alone and so dark. So as someone on the outside looking in, what do you do for that person who's you can see is spiraling and there's nothing that you have done that's worked? That's when I always suggest like, like I said, the professional help, like finding your resources in your surrounding neighborhood and helping them get to that point. Because a lot of times once you're, once you've reached your low, you don't know how to come up for air and you you don't know where to look or you, like I said, you feel very isolated. So sometimes it does take a helping hand to find those resources and get them to those. That's like there such are, a hard conversation to have with someone. It is an though. extremely hard conversation. Yes. Like, how do you look at someone who you love and you care about and say, "Hey, I think you need professional help." Like that sounds so <laughs> yeah, mean to no. say, but like you know, it's you're a, doing it for their benefit. Yeah, it's a give and take. Okay, it's definitely a give and take, and it's it's just something that you have to work through. Okay, because it is heartbreaking to watch. It is. It is. Not you know, to be able to like. Help. I've had yeah, I've had family members who we have informed them like we can no longer help you directly, but we want to be able 
to help you get to where you need to be. And they were just very, yeah, they were just very adamant. They were like, I don't need anybody else's help. Mm. And the best that you can do is just continue to be there for them. They resurface in six months and say, it's gotten worse. And now I don't know what to do. What do you do though if, uh, you know, like that person, you know, they, they, they probably need more professional help Maybe you've had a conversation with them. Maybe you haven't. And like on one hand, you want to be there for them. But also like mental health is something that everybody deals with. Everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't care how like happy and positive you seem. Actually, I would argue that the more happy and positive someone is, the more they've had to overcome to get there for the most part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because like being happiness is is a choice. Like having happiness is a choice. And so what do you do if like someone who's close to you is in a really dark place and it's pulling you down. It's messing with your mental health. I'm also an extreme advocate for yourself. Right. Huge advocate for that. You have to be able to set your own boundaries. And part of getting someone help that you're close with is setting your own boundaries because you also can't, you know, push them along and tend to that. So it's just, it's a, it is a, Tough line to toe mm-hmm. um, between setting your own boundaries. And like I said, I've had those conversations with family members before where I said, I cannot help you directly. Like, you know, I don't have a home that I can offer up. I don't have money. I don't have this. I'm like, I can't be that for you. But what I can be is I can help you with these resources. Here's a place where you can go for this. And I mean, yeah, it does take a little bit – that took a little bit off of me, but I chose to do that. Right. But – That's a really brave conversation to have, though. It is. Yeah. It is. And it doesn't – you know, it doesn't always go great. But that's just a situational thing. You've got to test out the relationship. You've got to know your own boundaries. Set them. Yeah. I mean, human psychology is something that, like, as humans, we're going to interact with all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those things, honestly, that even if maybe you don't go to take a college course for it, you should at least read books about it, watch some YouTube videos about it because we interact with each other. So yeah. to be able to understand each other and to understand that we live in this world where so many people are so different and come from different backgrounds, it's important to be able to navigate different yeah. relationships. For sure. Um, I – you know, obviously growing up, my grandmother was a social worker. My grandfather was a psychologist. My uncle is a psychologist. I actually have an earlier episode where he was on. We had a really cool episode. I'm excited about that one. Um, And the thing is, I, you know, I had thought about a lot of times like becoming a social worker or a psychologist, you know, because when you're a little kid, that's what everyone asks. What do you want to be when you're older? Yeah. But I decided that for me personally, I just I cared too much about people. And I know professionally you're trained to learn how to separate yourself where you're still – my grandmother loved to say this line. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. So like sympathy is for when sure. like you care for the person, but it's not affecting you on an emotional level and you can almost yeah. keep up that boundary. But then empathy is when you're just like, maybe that's with a friend or a loved one where you're just yeah. like, oh my gosh, I feel for you. When you're in pain, I'm in pain, right? Yeah. And you can't do that professionally. Correct. And I know that like they they probably teach you, or they do, they do teach yeah. you those skills. But even so, I was like, I think I'm going to care too much about people, <laughs> so I can't. Yeah. I was afraid that if I became a psychologist, then I couldn't 
I wouldn't care about my loved ones because I'd be so drained from having to hear everyone else's problems all yeah. day. The last thing I'd want to do it's is definitely talk to thing. them. So you said that you ended up after three years going and working in Disneyland. Sure and, did. And you're not doing social work anymore. I am not. So what was that What was that trajectory for you? What happened? Um, I mean, okay, so you kind of touched on it a little bit. Just You just used, asked the one question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I am 29 and I don't know. Um, that's and okay. Yeah, yeah. So I had graduated college and had, you know, had been doing this for a little bit. And I was just like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm going yet. Um, so I did do an internship at Disney World. Which honestly and, is really cool. Oh, it was super fun. Super fun. So I used that as my like little reset. Yeah. Um, Can we take a moment to actually talk about that experience? Because yeah. I'm curious to know what that's I really like. I love talking about that. So first of all, how did you even get a job there? Because like, obviously everyone knows what it is. Just wing it. Do you just... Is there like a website that you're just like, I yeah. want to work for you? Yeah. So there is Sense. for sure a website. Okay. Uh, but I did the college program. I actually applied my super senior year, like right before I graduated. Um, and so I applied for the uh, college program. So it constitutes as an internship. Um, but since I had graduated, I didn't have to take the courses that were required. So mm-hmm. I just went to work. Nice. Um, were you paid? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Paid internship. Um, and some of my friends, uh, my sorority sisters had already done it and she was at the same point as me. She was like, I don't really know what I'm doing at the moment or where I want to go. She was like, so I'll apply for this again. And I was like, you know what? Me too. Say yes to life. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they have like a whole application process online. I don't know if it works the same way for just like regular part-time work, but how the college program application worked was from my memory. I applied online. I had to do a phone interview and I apparently, I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was like if 50,000 people applied, I think like 10 to 15 actually got accepted per semester. So it was really hard to get this actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's actually so, even more impressive. Yeah. So they take your application and they run it through a system. And if you get past that point, then you get sent to a phone interview. Okay. And I did that. Um, Why do you I, think you got through out of all those people? I don't know. Luck? Ooh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Destiny? Um, I joined a lot of the Facebook groups that are out there. There's tons. Oh, I'm sure. For Disney College program. And people are just constantly like posting like – what do I do if I get asked this or what do I do if I don't make it in this time? So you and did your research. You were like prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And on the, you know, the phone interview, like they ask you questions like how do you do in like housing situations because they partnered us. Like we were placed in housing. Um, so you actually got to either pick your roommates or you could have random roommates. Um, and so my friend and I who had applied, were, we were like, we're going to be roommates. It'll be great. Um, we did both get in. And so automatically, like as soon as everybody started getting their like acceptance letters, the Facebook groups like blew, blew up. up. Everybody yeah. was posting like roommate quizzes and it allowed me to like break out of my shell. Cause I feel like I have a lot of like expectations for myself and like pre notions about myself. Yeah. And so this allowed me to just like get out there. Like I was commenting on people's things that was like, hey, I really enjoy this too. Like we should chat. And then we'd get to talking. And after like two weeks, I'd be like, you want to be my roommate? <laughs> um, 
Um, and so that's how six of us decided to live together. Wow. Yeah. As we all just kind of like pulled in one person. So it was like a little house or what? So it was like an apartment complex. Okay. Yeah. Like a huge apartment. There were four of them. For how long? Six months. Six months. Yeah. So this is a commitment. You're like, I need to find the best people. Yeah. For sure. This can go really well or yeah. really, really wrong. Yeah. And so there are like four housing housing complexes. And, you know, you've got the one that's like known to be like a party complex where all the younger students go. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the one where like a lot of international people got placed. And then the one that we were at, there was one that like specifically had laundry in the apartments and everybody loved that one. Um, we did not get that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, man. Um, on the day that we – I think a week or two before we got down there is when we filled out the form that said, this is my number, like, you know, my employee number, and this is the first choice apartment complex I'd like, the second choice, and this is a list of people that I want to be paired with. Wow. And I put in, like, their employee numbers, and they we all did that. The day that we get there is when you find out if you got your people or not. <laughs> Oh, so you didn't even know for sure at this point. No, You're not just at all. Hoping. Yeah. So um, I was the second person to get down there. And yeah, it turns out we were put in an eight-person apartment. And so two people who weren't a part of the original six um, were in there with us. Yeah. And so that was interesting. So like six of us had gotten to know each other for like a couple of months beforehand. And then we had two other individuals that were had, – they had picked each other. And so they got placed with us. Wow. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. I, I drove know. down there. My mom was like, let me take you. And I was like, no, thank you. I <laughs> yeah. was like, I am going to do this. How old were you at this point? 22. 23. Oh, that's so fun, though. Yeah. So, oh and uh, the majority of us were all had graduated. Was this in Florida? Yeah. Okay. Orlando? That's where my brother lives. Yeah. It's disgustingly right. hot. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So I called did, my mom and I was like, I'm sweating constantly. What did you do? Like, what was your job there? Um, I worked at the Polynesian Resort. Okay. I got my little aloha oh, with my Mickey So cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had to say like aloha cousin to every person that we saw. But I was a hostess at a restaurant in the Polynesian. Is it true that there's like this training with like Disney employees where you have to like constantly smile and it's – you know what I mean? Like almost like they – indoctrinate you in a certain sense. Okay, so it's called positive. it's called earning your ears. Okay. <laughs> um there is like a whole Disney like college. Like there's a whole facility. I thought you were gonna say Disney cults and I was there sure is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um yeah there, no there's a whole like campus on like the back of property. Um Disney University. And yeah we had to go there and we had to take classes, um courses specific to your role. So like my roommate was a lifeguard, so she had to do a bunch of stuff that I didn't have to do. Yeah. I had to learn – you know, I had to do, like, a money-tending course, and some of it was, like, where we sat at a computer and took, like, click-through courses, um, and then other parts were, like, instructor-led. So it was a little bit of both, and I think we just did that for a couple of days. I don't think that portion was super long, and then they, like, tossed you out there. You went on site. Did you wear costumes? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Did you? I any- have a whole Disney Instagram. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Why called- do I not know about? It's this? called Pixie Dusted Page. Okay, we're gonna link this in the podcast so that people can follow you. That's so <laughs> cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I used that to post like all things Disney mm-hmm. with my roommates. Um, I think I have a couple of pictures of like me and my teammates for the people that I worked with. But- oh yeah. my gosh, I never would have thought about this. Mm-hmm. 
I just think it's so great because I was just thinking about like where I was at 23 and I just wish I would have been more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. When I was 23, I was focused on getting a husband and having kids and feeling like an old maid. Yeah. At 23. Yeah. So I think part of the reason why I did this was because I had reached a point where I didn't know what I was doing because at that time I had been in a relationship um, with someone since I was 18 and I just don't think I ever gave myself time to find me. Yeah. And so that's what I use this opportunity as. Like I, like I said, I told my mom, like, no, you don't have to take me down there. You know, my boyfriend at the time was like, I'll go down there with you. And I was like, no, because when I get down there, I want to be able to be excited about it and I want to just I want to be me that's actually as an individual really interesting because six months without your boyfriend or long distance right Mm -hmm. so did you guys keep up while you were there or was it yeah for sure okay yeah okay yeah I married him later right got divorced but we'll get to that later (laughs) yeah but if you're listening stay tuned stay tuned we'll talk about the divorce a lot of sharp turns (laughs) um but yeah like we kept in touch communicated constantly um he was scheduled to visit that ended up not happening but um yeah like we it was just a very healthy relationship yeah and you know I was extremely honest the whole time I was like this is something that I'm considering doing and I I told him my reasons for it I was like I don't know where I'm at and I don't know where I'm going and I feel like it was something that I needed to take a step back and learn who I was yeah as an individual And I hear so many people in relationships do say this, where it's like, especially you, you, you didn't have kids, but if especially like moms, I hear a lot say this, especially young moms, they'll say how like they just jumped right in. And I love the nanny. Mm -hmm. And so I remember there was one episode in the nanny where her mom was applying to be a hairdresser or hairstylist. Do you remember this episode? Mm -hmm. So essentially what happened was, is her daughter was like, ma. Why are you applying for this job? Daddy can take care of you. Yeah. And she's like, Franny, you don't understand. My whole life. The accent. (laughs) She's like, my whole life. I've been a wife. I've been a mother. I've been a daughter. Who the hell am I? Yeah, you lose your sense of self after a while. Right, exactly. It's important to hold on to that. And so now, like, hope is, the hope was, whatever, that I'd figure that out and be able to carry it through. Yeah. And I think I – it it did what it needed to do. I have a ton of amazing relationships that I still keep in contact with from that time. Um, you know, a bunch of them. I had only known them for, like I said, not even six months. And some of them came to my wedding. Well, if you live from Virginia. Someone? So we met in Orlando. Yeah. She was from Virginia and came all the way to Illinois. That's incredible. For a wedding for a guy that she had never, you know, she'd never met him. But but she knew you. Yeah. And I do think that like, first of all, that's such a unique experience mm-hmm. that you guys got in. And like, you obviously went through, each of you went through a lot to get there. Yeah. Right. It's not an easy process by any yeah. means. And then also six months living with someone, when you live with someone, it's either going to bond you mm-hmm. or it's going to break you. Ooh, with eight women? <laughs> that sounds like my actual nightmare. It was so much fun. I loved it because okay. at that point I had the gone right from, women can be amazing. Yeah. But the wrong women can be literal hell. Yeah. So 
At that time, I had gone from living with my parents mm-hmm. to one semester of living by myself in a dorm and then to living with my boyfriend. And That's a lot of changes in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved the opportunity to live with friends. I felt like that hadn't been a – wasn't a step that I had hit and it was a goal of mine. I was like, I want to be able to live with friends. I feel like you're very into living a full life and every time yeah. there's an opportunity that comes your way, you're like, I'm oh, not missing. Yeah. yeah. People are like, oh, are you sure about this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll listen to any opportunity. Like, yeah. I don't know what I – I still don't know what I'm doing. The trip to Disney didn't help. Like, I still don't know what I'm doing. Right. Um, But I'm willing to, like, hear people out and give things a try. But, so, yeah, living with the – living with the girls was great. There was always somebody around. You know, it was one of those where it was, like, I could just come out of my room and I'd be, like, does anybody want to Taco Bell? And, like, two people would pop their heads out. And they're, like, I'll go. Yeah. Always have a social buddy. That's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And then I think we did a decent job at like respecting each other's like space. Did you have your own room? Um, so I shared a room with my friend that I had gone to college with. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. So I did cop out a little bit there, but I was like, Casey, do you want to be like roommate roommates? Yes. Yeah, so then we had a room and then we shared a bathroom with another room of two. Oh, wow. Four girls in one bathroom? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. The bathroom that split was like the shower and like the toilet. And then we had a sink that was in like our bedroom portion. Okay. Just – I guess this is my romantic mind coming out. But like was there any like couples that came out of like other interns who worked there during that like six months? Um like maybe just relationships. There's probably like a whole Facebook dedicated to like the Disney relationships that yeah. happen. Um, not in like my group. We were all like chronically alone, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but definitely, I think one of my friends actually has married somebody that she met. She did the program twice, and she married someone that she met. Your roommate friend or a different no, friend? No, like yes, yeah, somebody I had, I had worked with. Okay, I mean, it, yeah, it was such on a her cool experience internship. that, like, I could just imagine. You already have shared interests and like yeah. also the fact that you can relate to someone about something amazing that you've done. Yeah. It's not just a story. It's a shared experience. Yeah. I think that's part of why I loved it was like no matter who I started talking to, I already knew we at least had like that one thing that we were extremely passionate about. Yeah. I had I'd only actually ever been to Disney World. I say only. But I've only been to Disney World twice before I started the internship program. I've never been. Yes. That's why I'm like, ooh, I yeah. should stop myself when I say only. Um, no, some people are dedicated goers for yeah, sure. Yeah, now I'm a dedicated goer. I go like at least once every six months. Do you really? It's a problem. You really – that's kind of ironic that you were in school to help people who were addicted and now yeah. you have an addiction. <laughs> My name is Paige and I have a problem. Um, <laughs> I spend so much money on the mouse. You love it. But yeah. And I could go – like my sister is also obsessed with Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, after she had um, my niece, so when she really got into Disney and they started going down to Disney World. Oh yeah, with well, the kid, it's so cute. So she is like your Disney mom. You know, she's Aww. like, we've got this planned, this planned, this planned. Then we're going here. We've got fifteen minutes. Then we're going to this. To got be these honest, reservations. It kind of makes sense that you would go multiple times. I think it's so expensive that a lot of people do maybe only get yeah. to go once, yeah. maybe so twice. Yeah, so I completely acknowledge the fact that it is a luxury that I've had. Yeah. And so now when I go, like, 
I can go for a day or two and I could just go and sit on the hub grass, which is like, there's like little grass sections outside of the castle. Yeah. And just, I want to get my mini corn dog bites mm-hmm. and fries mm-hmm. and a coat from Casey's Corner. I just go sit on the hub grass and just people watch. Oh, I bet that's and amazing. People are like, why would you go to Disney World? Because it's like 16 hours of it, like a drive. They're like, why would you go all the way down to Disney World to do that? And I'm like, yeah. that is what I love about Disney World. It's one of my favorite places is to just yeah. sit there. I love that. Mm-hmm. And you've gone enough times that you've probably seen what you wanted to see anyways. Yeah. It's not yeah. like – So I, try, I do like tell myself, I'm like, okay, I don't need to try to cram everything in. Yeah. And I like to just like go with the flow. Like I can just walk from snack stand to snack stand and just like take it in. So what would you say is an insider trick mm-hmm. of the trade? What is something that someone like me who's never been to Disneyland but would like to go – Disney World. I'm sorry. There's the difference, There's right? There's a large difference. I actually – dare you. Let's start with that. What's the difference? Disneyland is in yeah. California. Okay. Disney World. Florida. So besides for the location distance, what's the actual um Disneyland is like significantly smaller. It's okay. like one park. You could probably fit it. I'm sure there's like an actual statistic that you can actually fit it like inside like one of the parks of Disney World. Whereas oh, wow. Disney World has four. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios. All right. Yeah. So insider knowledge, this is an insider, but I tell everybody to get the app. Get the app. There's an app? There's an – yes. Obviously there's an app. Yeah, there's an app. It has a map (laughs) of all of the parks. Okay. Um, It has wait times. Oh, that's great. Yeah, for rides, food, shows. Use the app and pre-plan as much as you can. Um, We won't talk about my hatred for the Disney Genie. That they have now, I think it's terrible. It tries to plan your day for you, and I'm just mm. like, simply will not be listening to any of this. Got it. Um, and now you have to like pay for fast passes, so like you can like skip the line essentially. And you used to just get those. How did you just get them? Like with your ticket, you could get fast passes. Mm. Um, and using the app, like you could pre-schedule them, so you could get a fast pass for three forty-five. For this ride. Nice. And then at 345, you'd like show up at the ride and there's like the fast pass lane that's moving super quick and then all the peasants that stand in line. Yeah. Um, And then after COVID, that was no longer a thing. Mm. So. Another thing COVID did to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, use the app. That's what I tell everybody is a lifesaver. Um, Insider is use the monorail system. A lot of people don't realize there's – so the monorail goes to, like, all of the resorts, the Magic Kingdom resorts and the Magic Kingdom Park. Okay. And then the parking for Magic Kingdom. There's one monorail that goes from the parking to the park. And then there's another monorail that goes to all of the resorts, the parking and the park. You can use either one of them, even if you're not staying at a resort. This blows people's mind. But whenever you're trying to leave the park – and there's, like, hundreds of people in line to get on the fast monorail. You can just, like, whip around them and ride mm. the one that stops at the resorts and get there faster. 
And honestly, there's nothing that I just said that because that's my thing. I'm like, get out of my way. Um, you can also park at the resorts and then take the monorail to the park, like to Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Um, I think they started picking up on it a little bit because now you have to have a reservation to get into the resort parking. Um, but using my home as an example. If you just pull up to Polynesian Resort and you're like, hey, like, I want to come in for a Dole Whip, they'll be like, have a good day. And then you can just park there for free instead of paying for parking. So smart. But you didn't hear it here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, that's such great information because I'm just thinking about like anytime you're leaving an event, no matter how hyped up and excited you were, no matter how yeah, great of a time you had, nobody you're wants to be exhausted. there anymore. Yeah. yeah it's like this home. is the worst place ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is so cool. So six months there and then you come back to reality and you – did you ever go back into being a social worker after that or no? Nope. I um, – So that was one – Clarity that like yeah. one that you got from this experience. Yeah. You're like, this isn't for me professionally. Yeah. At that point, you know, I still was I was like, I don't think I want to continue on to get my graduate degree. Um, and I didn't really want to just dive right back into it. And so I found a job as a leasing consultant in residential property management. And then you've been as, doing that ever since. Yeah, as everybody knows, once you're there, you're there. Yeah. So. And what's so interesting is like I feel I feel like a lot of people are really hard on themselves and they think that maybe if they didn't stay committed to whatever trajectory they were on, they're like, huh, I was a waste of my time or yeah. I was a failure there. But I don't think that's how life works. I think yeah. that I, – I don't think that anything's a coincidence, right? And I think that to take you towards your destiny, these things are all stepping stones and they're going to help build and make whatever you go into next will come in handy. Yeah. Psychology so- – for sure comes in handy. Yeah. And then also yeah, working at Disney. It, used it the other day at my current job. Exactly. But yeah. I'm just – like I said earlier, like I will take the opportunities as they come. I love that. And it's something that I've learned recently or I'm starting to learn and I'm still trying to process that because I was – like you said earlier, I was a very like – goal-oriented person. Like Mm -hmm. I have to, at this age, I'm going to graduate college, you know, and then I'll get married Mm -hmm. and then I'll have a job, a career, and then I'll have kids or a dog. And at that point we'll have a house. And like, I just, I had all of these restrictions set on myself and that just led to extreme disappointments. Always. Horrid anxiety when just one small part wouldn't go right. Or a setback would happen, like not knowing what I wanted to do after college. I was like, great, that's going to set me off because I don't have a career, can't buy a house. Yep. And all of a sudden I just saw everything crumbling. So I think after post-Disney page has been significantly better at like not limiting myself with such heavy expectations. Like it's okay to not know what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to an extent, I'm still like a type eight. Like, yeah, I need to know that I've got cushion for if something happens. And like, I'm still, I still prepare myself. You're responsible. But not so much so that like, I feel like I can't do something that makes me happy. 
Or I feel like that's something we should like clarify because there is a difference between being responsible and confining yourself to your expectations. Correct. Yeah. And being responsible doesn't mean that you can't say yes to new opportunities and maybe yeah. things turn out a little differently. Um, on that note, that's actually a perfect segue to talk about my favorite conversation, which is relationships. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So I want to talk about <laughs> like the hot goss and I really appreciate that we did discuss this beforehand. I'm not just jumping on her and like no. making her open up. <laughs> but um, you did say that you would be willing to open up to us about your divorce, which yeah. unfortunately is something that a lot of people deal with. And even if it's not necessarily divorce, nowadays a lot of people are in long-term relationships and they do have breakups, which mm -hmm. I think is very similar yeah. in the sense of you thought this person was going to be here forever and then they're not anymore. Yeah. So – Legal piece of paper doesn't yeah. affect that. Your husband was um, – you guys met when you were 18. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a little – from start to finish, what was the trajectory of your relationship? Yeah. So um, – we're actually, we grew up in like the same area and just never, had never met each other. Um, and we met right after high school. Mm -hmm. um, he had actually started dating like one of my best friends. <laughs> Ooh. Um, or they were talking, I guess. I don't know. When you're and a teenager, never, it's like the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like right before college, like he was leaving to go away to school and I was staying in the area and going to a community college. Mm -hmm. Um and we had touched base just just like once and then like a few weeks later he had reached back out so at that point he had been away for a couple of weeks um and it just it flowed really easily and we started talking and then i started i made my first like trip up to visit him it was like three and a half ish hours away um and yeah, for the first year and a half we just did that back and forth like i stayed here you know i was determined i'm going to you know finish out my community college time um, and I had intended to go to a different college for like four year um, schooling. But at that time was when I was also changing from psychology to I don't know. And it just kind of made sense. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to where you're at. So I took like a college campus tour, even though I had been to the college umpteen times. Right. In the last year and a half, you know, I took a college campus tour with my mom and um, moved there and I, like you said earlier, I'm an experienced kind of person. And so I was like, no, I want to live in a dorm. And my mom was like, why would you choose to do that? And I was like, I, because I uh, want that opportunity. No, honestly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super grateful that I did. You're very lucky. Cause Just I, got a, I got put in a random room with a random person. Yeah. Um, for half a, or for one semester, it was the latter half of the year. Um, so I actually transferred in the spring. Um, yeah, and then after that, the following school year, he and I moved together, moved in together. Um, so I guess we were like 20 at that point. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and then just lived together ever since. We got a couple cats throughout our time. And then after I came back from Disney World, we were here for another like two or, or there for another two or so years. Um, all still living in Indiana where we went to school. Mm -hmm. um, and then we chose to move back here, bought a house. Um, and then just over time, I think it just just hit us and one thing led to another. So it's so interesting because like even though you took a different route than you thought, you did 
hit all those milestones that you had set for yes. yourself. Yeah. Maybe not exactly how you thought you would, yeah. but you Didn't did get I there. I thought it would. We did get there. Um, so then the divorce really like threw me for a solid spiral. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I was one of those people who was like, I just didn't ever see this happening to me. Yeah. What do I do to stop this? Like, what did I do wrong or what did we do wrong? Like, what didn't we do that this is, isn't successful? Um, and I think I was just extremely critical on both myself and the relationship. Um, it's taken a lot of therapy to work through that. <laughs> well, good for you for like going to therapy for it because yeah. like that's a that's a huge heartbreak to come back from, you yeah. know. Um, I'm just curious to know, like, trying to think how to phrase this, mm-hmm. but when you're when you're going through, like post divorce and you're going through that, is there advice that you would give to people? I mean, obviously, every divorce is so unique. There really isn't like. Well, this is what – if you do X, Y, and Z, then you will be divorced, right? Yeah. But like, you know, moving forward for future relationships, what do you think helps couples to be able to stay close so that they don't end up getting divorced? Is there some sort of success? I don't think so. Um, I mean, the cheesy answer is just going to be communication. I don't think that's cheesy at all. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just think there were – I think there were some critical points in our relationship where – we didn't communicate to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. You know, you like they were, were so young. Yes. I wonder if that played yeah. into it. You know I what I mean? For sure. For sure. Because it's like you, you at 18, you don't know how to, yeah, at 18, you don't know how to verbalize like, oh, I want to spend holidays in this manner or. But not only that, you don't even know. Yeah. You're changing. You're figuring out who you are. Yeah. While at the same time navigating a relationship, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like actually crazy. It's very heavy when you think about that from that perspective. I mean, maybe the advice is just don't get into a relationship at a young age. Yeah. Like maybe just experience your 20s. Maybe maybe give it a little bit. But But um, that's so hard because like, you know, if you find someone, you're crazy about them and like we're all like – Like you can grow together and – And sometimes it works for people. Yeah. Sometimes it works for people. Yeah. And for us, it just didn't. Like I think – just speaking from my end is all that I can do. But Mm -hmm. I think I reached a point where – some things weren't matching up with how I felt well, once again setting expectations. Um just didn't feel they just didn't feel right. Yeah. Um and so once again, communication, communicating that, compu- communicating the expectations and communicating how you're going to work through them together was key. And that was just something that we did not have. Right. So I was always very interested in like, like I'm a therapy advocate. Um, You know, I was like, let's go to therapy. And that just wasn't reciprocated. Yeah. Um, So we both have to want it. Yeah. And so we didn't really have the opportunity to work through it. And so at a certain point in time, I had to say for myself, I had to set my own boundaries. I said for myself, you know, if we're both not willing to put in the same amount, then I have to take myself out. And it was crushing. It was not something that I wanted to do. You know, I felt like I was choosing to get a divorce when it wasn't what I wanted. So it was very, it was a very hard thing to battle in my mind. Yeah. And this might sound strange because this isn't probably something people say all the time, but like, good for you getting a divorce. People say, you'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) That's the majority of the response. (laughs) I mean, I think that I'm really glad that we live in a time 
that it's not as stigmatized as it used to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I definitely think that there are people probably who, you know, use divorce as the easy way out. Yeah. But I know that there's a lot of people who are in a much better situation, whether it's for their safety or their mental well-being yeah. or just for their own future. Like sometimes that person was only meant to be in your life for a season. Yeah. And what's so hard is that like that person – like your husband for those first 10 years was a good match for you for mm. those 10 years. It was what I needed. It's what you needed. Yeah. That was a good relationship for you in your 20s. But it's like for the rest of your life, the thing is you guys are going to be growing and evolving and becoming new people. Yeah. So you need to be growing together and you need mm. to be on the same page. And like – so your line of communication is actually yeah. makes a lot of sense because you have to be able to communicate it. But even if you are a great communicator, sometimes those conversations might come out to say – I yeah. hear you, you hear me, but we're no longer on the same <laughs> yeah. page, which is – that's a tough pill to swallow. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think the beautiful thing about life is that the one relationship – and this is cheesy – but the one relationship that you will have till death do you part is the one you have with yourself. With yourself, yeah. And like – so self-love is so important. Mm -hmm. And the thing is you're going – like love comes in so many forms and love will come again. Like I know you're going to find the love of your life. I know you will because <laughs> you're so lovely. <laughs> um, It just – you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time but like yeah. attracts like, you know. Yeah. What and you just said it like – I don't remember exactly what you said but like I now am starting to see relationships on like – like, that is what I needed at the time, mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay that it's not what I need right now. Yeah. And, you know, to have relationships based on a mutual, I don't know, I don't know the right words to say, but just positive interaction, you know, like I use, I don't, don't want to say use, but like I have one friend who they're my go-to for like really heavy conversations mm -hmm. and I love her for that. And then I have another friend who we rarely have heavy conversations and most of the time we're getting into questionable situations. She's your fun friend. Yeah. But like, I don't yeah. value one more than the other. Like we need a community. They, yes. They it takes both, a village. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like they both, both of those relationships serve a purpose Yeah, and they're what I need at the time. I think I just, it just hit me. It just dawned on me. You know, they always say it takes a village to raise a child. The truth is, we're that child. Yeah. And <laughs> that inner just child help is all the always, time. <laughs> but for real, though, you yeah. do. And like, that's not a negative thing. I think like we all have that inner child, and like a big part of therapy is healing that inner child and like communicating with yourself like you would with your inner child. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who has a daughter, and she said, one time she was like being really hard on herself about something. And I asked her, I'm like, how would you talk to your daughter? And her whole yeah. attitude changed and how she was talking to herself. And so I think like the concept of having a village to take us forever is like amazing, yeah. you know? Um, also, I would say I heard this analogy once and I thought it was absolutely beautiful. People think, unfortunately, there's still many, many people who think that being like divorced is the absolute worst thing. Yeah. Or being single is the worst thing. Yeah. Let's be real. That's really the war of it. It's it's single. Being single. It's being alone. Being single, being alone. Right. But here's the thing. If you think about it, people think that single people are down here all the way at the bottom. And then married people or people in couples are top tier, mm -hmm. successful. That's the goal. Right? Yeah. 
In reality, it is successful relationships that are healthy and loving. Those are the ones that are at the top. The middle level is single people. And the bottom level are people who are in toxic, unhealthy, or unfulfilled relationships. Because if you are in a toxic, unhealthy, or unfulfilled relationship, you have to go through more stages to get to the healthy relationship. Yeah. You're most likely at that point need to leave the person you're with, be single, heal, learn how to find the right people, and then find the right person and then build, right? There's a lot more steps in between versus if you are single, but you are working on yourself and you're healthy and you're growing, then there's more of a chance that you'll attract your person, you'll attract your like, and you're leaving space for blessings to come into your life. For sure. Yeah. I think there might be a few other steps in there. Maybe. But (laughs) yes, I see, I see like where you're coming from. Like, yeah, people do think that like being single or being alone is just like the worst thing. People are like, what Mm -hmm. are you going to do now? And I was like, I don't don't wake up. Like, yeah, go to this job that I have that I work at. Like, I think there's just so many. home, feed my cat. Like, I'm going to keep doing like. You're going to keep living your life. I'm going to keep living my life. And being like, Yeah. People are like, what are you going to do now? And I'm like. I'll go to the grocery store tomorrow. That's what I had planned. So yeah, <laughs> hope that's hope that's okay. Like you're very yeah. much like a yes person too. Like new opportunities, like new yeah. experiences, and like you know, I think what's really hard about like breakups, whether it's a divorce or just a breakup, or even if it's a friendship breakup, because those happen too, and sometimes those hurt oh, more. Those are traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there it's like a death. But it's a weird death, right? Because if someone – because I lost my grandfather when I was 19 and that was the first person I'd ever really lost who was close to me and it shook my life up so much. I can imagine. And um, because we were like a strong family unit. And then when he passed, everything kind of crumbled, to be honest. Not right away. Dramatic. Yeah. (laughs) Slowly. It did. I use the term spiral for everything and to the point where my therapist is like, I need you to define what a spiral is. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But he um, – I just couldn't imagine my life without him in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine because he had been there for all my milestones up to that point. Yeah. And what's so crazy about life is that even when you're feeling pain after a death or a loss, you – the sun will rise tomorrow mm-hmm. and you're going to – I was in college at the time. You just go back to school and you still hang out with yeah. your friends and – you know, the pain gets a little bit more manageable and you meet new people and you have new experiences and one day yeah. you laugh again, right? And you miss them and you wish that they were there. Mm-hmm. But yet new people and experiences come into your life and you build and it's just a different season in your yeah. life. Yeah. So I definitely – don't get me wrong. I definitely had those moments. Like I had lots of moments where I was like, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, that just was lost. the person – Yeah, that I'm used to coming home to and having somebody there – talk to about my day, like and the going dreams. to the grocery store and then of itself was a task. You know, the first time I had to go grocery shopping by myself, I was like, this is really depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, yeah, it's the like, dreams for the future. It wasn't yeah. just your present, but it was like the life you wanted to build with yeah. that person. So it, it is like mourning the loss mm-hmm. of a person um, in a relationship. And it was hard. But then, like you said, like I started building new relationships, you know, I now have a really awesome friend group that I hang out with that just kind of just started spending t- more and more time with like over the last year. Um, and I think I've been like physically separated. Like I moved out 
in April of 22, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just a little bit over a year that I've, year and a half that I've been like living on my own. Um, And yeah, there's just like a whole world out there and you have to learn how to do everything differently. And especially having been in a relationship from the time that I was 18, still living with my parents. Yeah. To owning a home with that person. Like there were a lot of things that I was like, I've never done this by myself. I don't know what I'm doing, but I cooked a steak one night and I sobbed profusely because I was like, I had never had to do this for myself. He never wanted to. Had a full, yeah, never, yeah, he loved to cook and I loved that because mm-hmm. uh, I can't cook for shit. Uh. <laughs> you can curse on here. <laughs> like, no, how long can I cuss? Yes, you can, you can. It's, it's explicit. So, oh, wow, I would have been doing a lot more lately. Um, yeah, no, I can't cook at all. And so that was something that like I had to figure out how to do. And yeah, the first time that I like cooked a steak at home, I sobbed hysterically. I think I was rewatching Game of Thrones and I was like crying, like cutting my food. And on the phone, I was on FaceTime with a friend and she was like, why are you, why? And I was like, this is just like, it's not something that I ever thought about Mm -hmm. until that moment. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. It was one of those where I was like, oh, I, I can do It was so a, visualize it was, that scene right it now. It was an I can do this moment. Yeah. Like it was something as simple as cooking a steak. But this I was not like, actually- I don't need I, – I didn't need another person to do it. I think I'd relied so heavily on another person to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to cook a steak again. It was not great, but <laughs> it was, you know. It was what it was. It was what it was. Yeah. It was just more about like that moment of doing it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so crazy. There's it's not an it's not actually an English word, but I saw this quote and it was like everything is figured outable. Mm-hmm. It sure is. is. It is. Figured out. Yeah. I, I mean this is obviously like a totally different experience, but like for me, expectation that I had for my life, because in the Jewish Orthodox community, you get married very young for the most part. Really? If you're lucky. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Didn't know that. Some girls do, some girls don't. Or guys, I should say guys too. But like um, there's definitely a lot of pressure on you come what, 23, mm-hmm. where it's like clock's ticking. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so like for me, then being part of like in working in a non-Jewish work environment and talking to people who weren't Jewish and they're like, you're 23. Yeah. You're quite literally a baby. I'm child. like, I'm a child? Really? Because <laughs> I feel so old. Yeah. I feel so old. So hearing that you went through this experience, like at 23 to go to Disney World, I was like, wow, like our head spaces were so <laughs> I'm so living it up on different. roller coasters. And what? Well, a- I mean, being 27 <laughs> now, I just saw a TikTok recently that was saying how like, you like your second energy when you're like 27, 28. So like maybe you might have gone into like your grandma mode for a little bit yeah. in your 20s, but then 27, sure 28, did. kick right up and then you're like at it again. But you got grown up money now. Yeah. So like, it's a don't little spend different. It well. No. Don't spend it wisely. But no. A lot you of have books. a little bit more to do. But yeah. Dumb it's decisions just like, with. yeah, it's just like a whole new, it's just a whole new chapter. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I had been married at a young age, I probably wouldn't have ended up going to Italy by myself on my 26th birthday. Saw that. Yeah. That was wild. That was so wild. And speaking of, like, it's just yeah, another- that's something I've never done. That sounds awesome. It's I so highly recommend it. But let me tell you something about, like, traveling alone that 
I don't know if people really talk about a lot because I think you only hear the highlight reel, right? Mm -hmm. You see people doing it and you're like, wow, I wish I could be like that girl or that guy. I wish I was adventurous. I wish I was confident. Um, I was supposed to go with a friend and what had led up to it was she had studied abroad in Italy. And so I was like really excited. I was like, my dream is to go to Italy. Mm -hmm. She's like, let's go. And I'm the kind of girl that if you say let's go, I'm going to (laughs) go. On the laptop. I'm a type A and I'm an Aries. Yeah. We're going. I just have to figure out how. Yeah. And then I'm really into manifesting. So I'm like, if the timing is right. flight times. Literally. Yeah. But what happened was I was like, maybe one day. Let's focus on the friendship first. We were really good friends and everything was going well. And then we got really nice bonuses that year at work. And I was like, holy shit. We're going to Italy. Perfect. We're going to Italy. We're going to Italy for my birthday because it's off season. So everything's cheaper, you know, mm-hmm. bougie on a budget. I'm not broke. I'm broke. Hey. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I love it. Thanks. Oh, I really hope to not be in that stage forever. Um, <laughs> I just want to be rich, like stupid rich. Yeah. But we, um, we went – we were going to go. And then I'm also really into like themes when I'm planning. So it's like we're going to Italian restaurants because I want us to visualize being in Italy. Okay. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, I like it. I didn't realize how un-Italian Italian restaurants are in America. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, it was really cute yeah. that I tried. I had Pinterest boards that I shared mm-hmm. with her. I was so in it. I was so excited. And – um. She had been, so I was like less nervous and I was like, we're going. This is crazy. And so the, one of the last like like brunches that we had went to to discuss the details, I sensed her energy was off, you know? Mm-hmm. You can like sense yeah. when someone's not in it as much as not you committed. are. Yeah. And I didn't want to say anything because I was like, if I don't address it, then it's not true. Ooh, yeah. That's healthy. And uh, finally, I was like, you're not going, are you? She's like, no, I'm sorry. To be honest, it was 2021, okay? So okay. COVID, the pandemic was still relevant. And so, yeah, I went and uh, I, she's like, are you angry? And I was like, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. And then I was really quiet and she was just like, what are you thinking? I'd be pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> Obviously, but I'm like, you know, yeah. trying to be sensitive too. Yeah. Because I'm thinking from my perspective, but, but also not, yeah, it's I understand like you, her. Yeah. You know, like she she did have good reasons for not going. Um and, and you still made it into like a like you it sounds like you took a lot away from it. Well, what happened was is after being quiet for another few moments, I looked at her and I said, I'm still going. I'm just gonna go alone. And I did. Oh, wow, girl. Thanks. And so it was exhausting. I, my stopover was in Paris. And I remember when I was looking out my little window and I saw the Eiffel Tower, I cried. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's real. Mm-hmm. I know that's so silly. but No, it's, not it's at all. Like to experience it, yeah. I, was so, I was so grateful and so humbled. And I went into a lot of credit card debt to go off. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still oh, paying no. off. Yeah. Worth it. For sure. I'm sorry to say that like going into debt was worth it, but this experience. No, yeah, I was going to say the experience is well worth it. Traveling and traveling alone. The debt will still be there when you die and then it's somebody else's problem. That, that's one way to do it. 
I have been aggressively mm-hmm. attacking it though. So okay, that's for good. another episode to yeah. talk about finances. Yeah, probably don't don't take my advice on that. <laughs> um, but what happened was I remember being in the airport in Paris and I was like, I will be back. I'll be back here on another trip. And I'm actually I am gonna be going back this year. Mm. Yeah. Um but like before the end of the year? No, 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 next year for my my 28th birthday. Oh fun. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I uh I, then we went, and I remember, oh, it was so beautiful. We went, then I was landed, I went to Venice first. So talk about culture shock because there was no actual streets. It's yeah. just like water, mm-hmm. right? And I had booked the water boat ahead of time. Like I really planned this trip back to back to back, except I didn't really know Venice. And so we got there and it was just this random port and there was nothing really around it. And he's like, I, I showed him the address I was like, is this, is this? And he's like, oh, that's really far away. <laughs> and you're like, oh, perfect. So I did what I'm any walking. girl would do. I flirted a lot. And yeah. So he took me to where I needed to go. As you should. And it was great. And then I got to my hotel room and I cried. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I realized I was halfway across the room and I didn't speak Italian. And I was yeah. by myself. And I was like, the whole time, I'm like, don't get sex trafficked. The truth is um, people think that like traveling is this like amazing thing and you only see the highlight reels, but there was ups and downs. It was the best trip of my – you know what I like to say? It's It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And we could totally go into it right now, but I'm actually going to save it because it's for a future podcast. There's a different episode that I want to have it with off camera. We can talk about it. Okay, but great. for everyone else, Perfect. like, sorry, you're so going to just keep tune listening. In. Tune in for a future podcast episode. We're going to talk all about travel. But um, we have touched so many different topics on this episode. We went from prison to Disney <laughs> World to divorce. Perfect. And you have so many more layers to you. And we could talk for hours. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to thank you for coming on because of thank you. we talked about so much stuff that was so real and raw. And I know it's not easy to talk about just in general, but the mm-hmm. fact that you were willing to do it for everyone yeah. was so impactful. And we have this tradition that at the end of each episode, okay. there is a, my whole episode podcast format is based on this one saying, which is, Eza Huchacham, hello made me call Adam, which means... One who is wise is one who learns from everyone. When everyone has a story to tell, yours was incredible. But we would love to hear either a quote or something impactful that someone taught you that you would like to share with everyone else. Um, I mean, I guess just sticking with the theme of like what our whole conversation has been is that it's okay if things don't go the way that you had planned. You know, this conversation Mm -hmm. probably didn't go how we had planned. Like you said, we touched on so many different topics and like, it's okay to not know where you're going to go next. It's okay to not know if you're in the right spot where you're at right now. Like we're just making this up as we go. There is no five-year plan. There is no five-year plan. There's Mm -hmm. no, half the time I don't even have a next week plan. Like Like Phoebe would say, I don't even have a plah. I don't even have a Mm plah. Don't even have that. Like- to an extent, yes, I make sure that when it comes down to it, I'll be okay. Yeah. Like, well, I am still a little bit of type A person. Like, I'm going to make sure that I have, <laughs> you know, money where I won't be screwed or, or you know, that I have at least resources that would help me if for some reason I lost my job or this or that. Like, I've spent so much time worrying 
in the past about what would happen if I lost my job. Why am I thinking about that? Yeah. I've just, I've spent so much time just Don't worrying. worry twice. Yeah. Yeah. Because you may never have to worry and at I all. And I would worry, yeah, I would worry a hundred times. I would carry it on through day after day and then it never happens and then I either worked myself up over it or set an expectation too, too high. Right. And so I'm just trying to learn to go with the flow. And this thing called life is awesome. Yeah. I'm enjoying where I'm at right now. Yeah. May or may not go home and just crash. May go to the gym. But either way, like, I'm not going to, like, punish myself for not doing what I expected to do when I woke up this morning. Love that. You guys, you could see why I love Paige. She's awesome. Um, Again, we're going to put her Instagram handle. Say it one more time. The ooh, Disney ooh, one. The Disney one, Pixie Dusted Page. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, you guys, thanks again for tuning in to another episode. I hope you guys have a great week. You can find us everywhere where there are podcasts. The video format is on Spotify and YouTube. Please leave a review, five stars, and share it with a friend if it resonated with you. Share it with all your friends. Yeah. Please. And I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get it. Let's go. Oh.